And today is Strong Generations, a Next Gen Weekend. Okay, now you might be thinking, I've been to Next Gen Weekend in Main Church, right? How many of you have been to a Next Gen Weekend in Main Church? Give me a little wave, right? Okay, and you know in the Main Church, very few actually, very few among you, okay? You know in the Main Church, there is a youth church of like, 400 people and then there's like a kids church with another 500 uh, children you know and like okay lah I get it you know next gen with so so many uh, uh, kids and youth right what does next gen look like in our church very quickly just want to give help you to pantau survey right I think we have something like five Teenagers, okay? And t- by teenagers, I mean 12 plus, okay? 12 plus going all the way to about 19, okay? We have about five teenagers. We have a couple of nine-year-olds, eight, eight pushing nine. I'm thinking of next year's age, right? Eight pushing nine pushing ten. We have two nine pushing ten, right? And then we have a small, about two or three who are somewhere between five and eight, okay? And then we've got about three toddlers, two toddlers, like that. So, you might be thinking, Pastor Fergus, I never thought about it, but how are you going to do kids' church? For like, one group is three people, one group is one person, one group is two people, one group is four people, and if the two people want one day, that fella don't come, then there's only one fella, right? So, how do you do kids' church? You'll notice that we have not in the, in the time until now, launched a full-blown full, full kids' church where we are running something every week. But in the coming year, we will. Okay? In the coming year, we will. And we will start with the children we have. I'll talk more about kids' church next year in, uh, uh, later in the sermon. But I just wanted to give you an idea, right, of the next generation, especially the children and the youth that we have in our church. And the Lord is leading us to start something. Amen? But so why next gen? And why, a, why talk about strong generations? I thought next gen is you preach to the young people. Actually, today I want to share and maybe help us to think correctly about what next generation means. Someone, t- Everybody just turn to the person next to you and say, next generation. Next generation. Next generation. Yeah, okay. Now, look back at me. If the person you turn to is a different generation from you, left or right, can you raise your hand? If the person you turn to is someone from a different generation from you, yeah, okay, cool, right? So we see that most of you, many of you are sat next to people who are just maybe 10, 15 years from you, okay? And really, that is what next generation is all about. Next generation is not just about young people. Next generation is about next generation. Whatever age you may be, whatever season in life you may be, okay, next generation is just next generation. I'll share with you um, in three broad topics. Number one, next generation, we have to to have strong generations, right? If you want to have strong generations across the board, we got to, number one, we got to stay together, okay? We got to stay together. Number two, we got to tell our stories, okay? We got to hear, listen to the stories of those told and tell our stories and pass them on. And the third one is, we got to have faith in the essential things of of, of Scripture, the essential things of God's command with us. Have faith in them, 
right? But first, I'm going to start with this. As I was preparing for this next-gen service, I started to think a lot about the generations we see in the Bible, okay? And when I think about the generations we see in the Bible, I think about some of these people, right? Patriarchs passing things down to the next generation. Now, I want you to look at this, and I'm going to point at everyone, okay? And you tell me, okay, whether this next-gen handover transition, you know, was a good one, okay? Okay, you're going to tell me if this was a good one, medium, moderate, okay. Okay, if it's really, if it's bad, just make like, you know, the kind of noise they do in parliament, like, cannot. Okay, let's practice, let's practice, okay? Okay, okay. When I, when I say balik lah, y'all start, when I say, when I say tarik balik, y'all make some noise, okay? Ready? One, two, three, tarik balik. <laughs> some of you are bemused, like, what's, what's pastor doing? Yeah, yeah. It's okay, it's okay. I, I'm just trying to incite some noise from you. If it's good, I want you all to go, yeah, really, like, like, like Man City scoring last night. No, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. Okay. Okay. Like your favorite team score goal. Okay. If it's good, go. Yeah. One, two, three, go. Yeah. All right. Ready, huh? Ready, huh? Adam and Sons. Why? Because the sons kill each other, right? Yeah. Ready, huh? Next one. Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael. <laughs> Ronnie said they are still fighting today. <laughs> Why got yeah? Why, uh? Uh, okay, ready? Next one, next one, next one. Isaac with Jacob and Esau. Hey, why, uh? why, uh? why Bible put your generation so tired? Okay, next one, next one, next one. Jacob and the 12 sons. Yay, yay, yay. I got a mix. I got some people going, yeah. Okay, why yeah like that? Because? What's that? Okay, happy ending. Okay, happy ending. Okay, happy ending. But why like the Jalan Kerja? They sold off one brother. <laughs> okay, what else? Well, they tried to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they only had one attempted murder in the family, but. <laughs> What? Okay, okay, you you get Moses and Joshua. Hey, wow, lucky got one good one. But Joshua sambung one, huh? Joshua to judges. Mm. Right, Samuel the prophet to King Saul. Why y'all like, like that? Don't know your Bible. That's why. Hiding behind the bags, Saul, right? Uh, Langa instructions, Saul. Uh, ah, this one actually. Okay, uh, wait. This one, Saul to David. Yay. Hey, why your yay? So called father figure chase the son figure uh, up and down the plains of, of, of the Levant, throw spear at him during dinner time. Why your yay? You all need to read your Bible. <laughs> this is not the worst. It's, 
Okay, but David became good. But that's of that's that's got nothing to do with how bad this guy was. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was a bad relationship. Father, son, as far as father and generational relationship, it was one of the most toxic ones out there. This one, Lee? Also quite ambivalent, right? Also, because Solomon like started kind of okay, you know, and then after, you know, kind of like, nying, 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 yeah. and then like, lucky I didn't put David and all his sons uh, because there were at least two attempted murders there, and like, oh, son murder, son la, all these kind of things, like, son, son rape daughter, and like, oh my gosh, it's a messed up family. Don't worry, we are not starting a study in the series of the life of David, okay? But, I struggle to find really good generational stories in our Old Testament, in our Bible, full stop. I really did. I struggled, okay? Because this one is probably the best, but this one actually should be thought of as a continuation until Judges, and it doesn't end well, okay? Um, this, is, this is probably the best, next best, but you and I know if that's the, if that's the next best, yeah, we are, we, we are, we, our sample size is quite, quite sad, right? But I found two. I found two good ones. You want to know? You, who wants to guess? I'm going to click the next slide already. Yeah, there's not got extra space there. Yeah. Yes! Ruth and Naomi. Give me one more. Yes! Yes! Ruth and Naomi. Elijah, sorry, it should be Naomi and Ruth, right? Naomi and Ruth and Elijah and Elisha, right? And I tell you what I love about these two little snippets. Now, to, to be fair, the Naomi and Ruth relationship, Ruth is like in your Bible, so fine print, you turn one page and then like, that's it, right? Ruth is over, right? In one, one flick of the hand, right? Elijah and Elisha is just like one chapter in, you know, at the end of 1 Kings, you know, and then like a few chapters at the start of 2 Kings and then the fellow taken up already, gone already, right? And so, actually, the, the overlap between Naomi and Ruth and the overlap between Elijah and Elisha was not a lot of text. But they are significant. They are very important. And maybe one day we can do a more detailed study in the relationship between these mother-daughter relationships, father-son type of relationships, you know, we can do a more in-depth thing on another day. But today I want to show you one aspect that marks out both Ruth and Elisha in the way that they related to the generation older than them. The way they related was that they stayed with them. Everybody says, stay with them. They stayed with them, even through adversity. Elijah and Elisha ministered at a time uh, uh, when the nation of Judah and Israel were, uh, were, were separated. They were at war against everyone around them and against each other, okay? And in those days, it was difficult. It was really difficult. The kings um, in rule in Judah were not good kings or often they were patchy, you know? And Elijah and Elisha were working in the northern kingdoms, coming up against, you know, kings like King Ahab and Jezebel and so on. What's going on? Airplay passcode. Guys, 
something's gone on, right? By the way, it's 2774 if you need the AirPlay passcode, yeah? Um, uh, but let me go on and someone will rectify what's going on on the screen. Now, Elijah and Elisha uh, worked through very difficult circumstances. So did Naomi and Ruth. Naomi and Ruth, okay, went through famine in the land. They were foreigners. They were effectively borderline refugees, okay, because they could not uh, uh, survive in the land. They went off. The, uh, uh, Naomi's sons died. Ruth lost her husband. And then they had to make their way back, right? But two things. One thing is stark and clear about Naomi and Ruth, about Elijah and Elisha. If you click to the next slide from the broadcast team, you'll be able to see what Elijah Shah says to Elijah. Let's click. Can we get the next slide? Oh, it's up. Yay. Okay. Elijah says to Elisha three times. Okay. That, let's get it up. Yay. Give a hand to the broadcast team. Right. Thanks, guys. Y'all the best. Okay. As Yahweh lives, as sure as Yahweh lives, right? And as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So what happens is, as Elijah is reaching the end of life, I'm not going to say he's going to die. He doesn't die, right? Okay. Uh, as reaching end of life on earth, he tells Elisha, his successor, stay here in Bethel. I'm going to go. And then Elisha says, no. As Yahweh lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he, I'm going to equal you. I will follow you, follow you wherever well, y'all like to sing on this church. There isn't no mountain so high. Okay, don't, don't go into the chorus. We'll never continue preaching, right? Okay? Some of you are looking at like Gen Z, like, what? And he says, no, I'm going to follow you, right? Okay, follow me. And then he goes from Bethel to Jericho. At Jericho, he says, I'm going to go. You stay here. And then Elisha says, no, no way. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to go with you. And then they go all the way to Jordan, the edge of the river, right? And then one more time, I'm going to go. No, I will not let you go, right? I will follow you. And so because of that, right? The rest is history. Strikes the water with the cloak. Waters part, they cross over. Uh, 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 Elisha asks for a double portion of anointing, you know. Um, and then Elijah says, I don't know if you're going to get it. If you see me taken up to heaven, then you get it, Lord. If you don't see anything, you don't, Lord, right? And then suddenly, chariots of fire, horses of fire, dun, 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 right? And then, like, <laughs> Still, some of you are looking at me funny, right? Um, come, swoops Elijah off the face of the earth And Elisha goes like, whoa, where is the God of Israel? He takes a cloak, smashes the water, it parts And then Elisha's ministry begins, right? But it all hangs on the successor Telling the predecessor, I'm sticking with you I'm going with you. Wherever you, I'm gonna, wherever you go, I'm going to go. If he go young kaki, say, Okay, Lord, I'll stay here in Bethel and play phone and wait for you to come back, right? He stay in Bethel and like just scroll, doom scroll. Like, when, when's he going to come back? Uh, 
guy is quite long already, right? Text Elijah, like, uh, Master, when you're coming back, right? Master, not coming back, right? Um, and the whole story would have been very different. All because one young person said to one older person, I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to follow your footsteps. I want to learn. I, I want to go where you've gone. You've gone to your season. You've seen difficulties. You've seen hardships. You've been beaten. You've been stoned at. You've been, you, you been spat at. You've been uh, cast at. You've gone through so much difficult. I'm, used, I'm saying all that figuratively. Lah. It didn't all happen to Elijah. But you've gone through so much in life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm not going to learn 100% because life is different now. I'm not going to apply in a, in a rigid kind of wooden way, but I see that you are important and I'm not going to sit here and doom scroll. I'm going to follow you, right? That made a huge difference. It also made a difference for Naomi and Ruth. As you know, the story for Naomi and Ruth, Naomi had two daughters-in-law, right? Uh, she, she, then both sons died. So she's with her two daughters-in-law and she tells the two girls, go back to your kampung, right? I can't do anything. I'm a single mom, you know, and I'm no even, not even longer a single mom because you go back, you go back, then I'll just be alone, I'll be a widow, you know? Um, go back to your household, right? So one daughter-in-law who uh, cried, you know, and her name is Orpa, right? And she, she, she cried and she said, okay, bye-bye, kissed the mother-in-law and then went home, right, to her kampung, right? And there's, by the way, there's just nothing like, overtly wrong with doing that yeah okay but Naomi was just that bit different and Naomi kissed and cried and said what she said to her mother-in-law wherever you go I will go and where you stay I will stay your people will be my people your God will be my God where you die I will die and there I will be buried there is family she did not see herself as an in-law. She saw herself as a daughter. She saw herself as family. Now, I know it's a bit of a stretch to jump from this to church relationships. And it's not 100% analogous. It's not 100% a metaphor. But in church relationships, you get to decide if you want to look at the people who are one generation away from you. I don't want to say uncle auntie or like young people because some of this language doesn't help. It really sometimes it doesn't help. They are useful shorthands sometimes but at other times it doesn't help. You can look at each other and say we just happen to go to the same church. You can look at each other and say it's just another uncle in church. Or you can look at each other and say, God has placed us together for a reason. God has a special assignment for all of us to be here, gathered in one church at the same time, for us to learn from each other. And maybe I have a role to play to enrich this auntie's life as well. Or maybe I have a role to play to enrich this young man's life as well. Or that we can be stronger when we are together. And have you considered that God's call over you to be in a church at this season with this set, this set, okay, of people here today and those who come in on other Sundays that God has appointed for you to journey as a church family 
for a certain protracted season like this together so that together we are stronger? Have you considered that? Because when you start considering that, everything changes. A Ruth mindset kicks in. And when the Ruth mindset kicks in, then you no longer look at each other as just people who happen to be walking by your side. The way Naomi just happened to be the woman who is the mother of my now deceased husband. But you look at each other and you say, on some level, this is family. And I can tell you, family is not always easy. But I don't need to tell you family is not easy. Because I'm sure if I ask you all, you know, keep your, put your hands down, you know, if you have a difficult family, all your hands will stay down. Nobody will raise their hand, right? And it's not our laziness, by the way. It's just because genuinely all of us have difficult families. But family is how God has put us together. And I ask God, why, uh, why do you put us together in this? Why is it so difficult? I mean, I minister to people. I know how hard families are. But my own family is not easy and I'm sure yours isn't too. And so I ask God, why is it so hard? You know, why is it, why does it always, why does it always look like, like all these, right? Um, and God says, it's not easy, but I'm not here to make life easy. I'm here to make life good. I'm here to make life blessed. I'm here to make life fruitful and full of life. And I'm here to give you life and life abundantly, pressed down, overflowing, spilling out with the goodness and mercy of God. And why I say with the goodness and mercy of God, it's because in your families, you are going to need grace and mercy for each other. And when you, you know, you all, you all know, right, if you pray for patience, what God's going to send to you? A somebody. If you pray, God, make me a more patient person. God is going to send you a somebody. And that somebody is going to test your patience. Right? And that's how God grows your patience. He doesn't grow your patience like by like, you know, like HDMI connection to your back of your ear, you know, and then he loads this program into you and like, I know Kung Fu, you know, like, I, I, I'm patient, you know. He doesn't work that way. How he works is he brings people into your midst and then he gets you to like rub against each other, you know, crash against each other, right? And spark against each other until the impatience is worn off. It's like sharpening a knife, you know, the blunt edges have to go so that what? When all the blunt edges go, it reveals Christ likeness underneath. That's how God grows family. That's how God grows Christ-likeness. And if we want to have strong generations in the church, we have to stay together and consider that each other is important. I actually don't like old people, young people language. One. I don't. And I hope you don't hear it from me. If you hear it from me, it might be muscle memory because I used to be used to saying it. Uh, but I actually want to change my language. And don't talk about church people as 
old people, the younger people, the this, the that, uncle, auntie, young people, I don't like. Okay, I don't like. Um, I prefer to think about all of us as many generations in one house and we are family. Okay, because when we start thinking that one generation is like that and then this generation is like this, then we end up with a very us versus them thinking and that does not build strong generations. Strong generations are built when we are attached and we are, and we are loving and we are prepared to journey together which leads me to the next point. If we want strong generations, we stay together and we have to learn how to tell our stories. And it's not just old generation tell young generation or previous gen telling next gen um, their stories. But it's about a sharing of stories. And when there is an exchange of stories, then the legacy is passed down and the storytelling is being passed back up. The Bible says, one generation shall commend your works to another. It does not say one... Older generation will commend your works to the next. You see that? It's neutral. One generation will commend your works to another. Another means older or younger. It could be either. It could be either, right? And so the Bible is giving us a vision for generations where those who are slightly gone before can share their stories with the next generation and those who are coming up uh, um, um, can share their experiences and the stories and what? God's works, God's good works can be shared across the generations. Now, one part of our church folklore that I generally used to feel quite, I feel pang when I talk about this part of our folklore is whenever we talk about the Barrio and Bakalalan revivals. Okay, um, this is a picture of the Bakalalan revival. How many of you have heard of the Bakalalan, Bakalalan revival? Raise hand. Okay, cool. You can put your hands down. How many of you have heard of the Barrio revival? Put down your hand. Okay, I see more hands. How many of you before this year, you didn't know anything about Barrio revival? But now you know, right? How many of you learned about what's Barrio Revival because we had a Barrio uh, 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 missions kind of like uh, event in Miri, you know, and everyone went there, right? Okay. What's the purpose of that? Gathering everyone for the tribal gathering so that everyone can come together for that, that event. Okay. For some of you who went, what's it for? One of the purposes of an event like that is storytelling. Not so many people know about this But Kalalan Revival happened 11 years after the Barrio Revival 1985, okay Also on the highlands, you know Of the, of the, of the Lumbawang people And of the Kalabit people, you know And what God did there Was experienced by the generation there Same as what God did in Barrio Was experienced by the generation there now, when I started being involved in Bahasa ministry in 2013, 14, I would meet young Sabahans and young Sarawakians, especially Sarawakians because Bari and Bakalalam both happened in Sarawak. I would meet them and because I was told these stories by Pastor Chu and Pastor Lichu, for years I've been told this story, I know these stories. But when I talk to young Sarawakians, they don't know these stories. 
at least in 2013, 2014, 2015, they didn't know these stories. Many had never heard that their own people or tribes adjacent to them in kampongs next door to them, or, you know, um, they ever had something like this. And so an entire generation grew up with no awareness of what their fathers and mothers and, uh, and ibu-ibu and, and papa-papas went through. I thought, why? How is it that you don't know? And I'm a Chinese in, in KL and I know, right? And they say, don't know? Nobody ever told us. And so, the lesson I learned from that from ministering in those years is that if you don't tell your story, if you don't commend the works of God that you've witnessed, that you've, as John the Apostle says, that eyes have seen, hands have touched, you know, we have experienced it with our own senses. If you don't share those stories, then no one will know. And an entire next generation will come and will go and they will not know how God was so good and faithful to you. But thanks be to God, these stories are being told more and more. And you'll be hard-pressed to find a young Sarawakian in church who has not had heard of this you know, at all because, the, because I think a correction has you know, gotten into motion and we are starting to retell the stories of the Barrio and Bakalalan revivals. And it's not just about those old stories because the young who are experiencing, see, I'm using that language, because the ones who are living today, who are experiencing those stories in real life for themselves, they are seeing God work in their workplace. They are seeing God work in their universities. They are seeing God work in their families and in their marriages are now able to reshare those stories back to the Ibus and the Bapaks and, 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 and the Papaks, you know. And now the good works of God are being commended between one generation and another. Okay? The Bible says, wisdom is with the aged and understanding in length of days. Now, this is not meant to say that every single old person in the world is wise. This is not also meant to say that there are no wise young people. This is meant to say that as you live life, you gain experience. As you put kilometers behind you in your journey, you gain in the walk with God, but you got to walk with God. Lah, okay, you got to process your life. Okay, there's another day's story, right? But this is meant to say that as we put in time with God, and that time is months, that time is years, that, that time can be in the decades and the decades. Pay attention to what God is doing and be ready to commend God's work to each other. And now, I want to share with you a trend happening in church, not here per se, not SIBKL per se, or Malaysian church per se. I'm sharing, I want to share with you a trend in church in general, from evangelical church, from the length and breadth of America, through the evangelical church in the, in, in the, in the Americas, South Americas, through Australia, through here in Asia, right? Okay. One thing that's happening that we can see very clearly is a glamorization of young people in church and a marginalization of old people in church. It's obvious to me because I'm a pastor. I scroll through, I see things, I hear things. Sometimes I go for conferences, sometimes I hear pastors talking, you know. I see this very clearly. It is, 
if you can say, trending. It is the thing now. Young people, good in church. Let's focus on making sure lots of young people in church, right? And then uh, older people, support the young people, right? I've heard people in ministry say, older people, your role is to support young people and let them run church and let them do whatever they want to do. Your role is just to support them, right? And I can tell you, read, hear some of these things, it doesn't sit well with me because it doesn't feel like biblical family. It feels, if anything, like I don't know, like, like a much softer version of Mao Zedong's Red Guard, right? Like, all, all, all your, you know, this generation is like useless, just get out of the way, you know, and like just let young people. It sounds like 1960, late 60s hippie movement in, in America. And I think of that because it was, it was Bob Dylan, whom I consider to be a worldly, a, the world's a prophet of the world, right? Telling the stories of the world, right? And he said, um, mothers and fathers throughout the land, don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command. You know, the old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend a hand for the times they are changing. And it's a good song. It's very sharp. His, his thinking, his observation is, is very clear. But I'm like, is this the attitude that we want to have? Is this the attitude, the generational attitude we want to have? Get out of the new road if you can't lend your hand, right? The times have changed. I'm not so sure. And I can tell you, we don't say it with quite the same abrasiveness, but we effectively say that sometimes in church to the older generation. Mothers and fathers throughout the church don't criticize what you can't understand. Your sons and your daughters are the next gen, right? Please get out of the new road if you can't lend a hand. The times have changed. And we say that, and it doesn't sit well with me. And so, I would like to paint us a vision that is biblical, that is more godly, where we see every generation as lending a hand to the plough, pushing the plough forward, and working on kingdom together really together, okay? And I want to dispel this. Next gen is not young people, okay? Let's just get this real clear. Next gen is not young people. Every generation has its next gen. If I'm 85, that 60-year-old man is my next gen. And you may not be able to brain how a 60-year-old man can be someone else's next gen. Yes, it's true. Okay, because I have a father who's 82 years old and I know that his way of thinking, his mindset, the life he grew up with is very different from the 60-year-old man, right? It's very different and so on so forth. In fact, some generations have a next, next gen and some generations even have a next, next, next gen if you live long enough. Right? And so, I want to dispel whenever I use the word next gen, whenever Pastor Ramesh or Pastor Thalia uses the word next gen, right? we are not talking about young people. By young, I don't know what you, your idea is young. Is it like teenagers young? Is it like, like fresh grad young? Is it like what? It's sometimes for older people, if I can say older people, everybody is young, right? So um, my mom, I don't know if she's watching this online right now. We have a chakwe uh, a seller in, in our hometown. 
like dude's like probably like 40 plus 50 you know he's probably, okay he's older than me so now he's maybe in the 60s but back then um, he, he, he'll be like his grown man my mom will refer to him as oh uh, 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 go order from that boy <laughs> I mean, he's not a boy, right? He, he, he's, 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 he's a lot older than me. Um, but that's testament to how maybe sometimes everyone younger than you just feels like a like, like boy, girl, right? Um, but no, next gen is every gen. Because every gen has a previous gen to it, okay? Let's just get that clear. Now, I want to share with you that next year, I'm excited. I'm excited because God has prepared us to a place where our service, the operations, the running every Sunday is stable. God has blessed us with lots of people who are lending their hand to the plow. And I love being here on a Sunday, seeing everything running and like, like our attentions are not, you know, uh, um, constantly sucked into making sure that things are ticking so that you come in and things are running, you know, like you saw how this went out and someone immediately takes care of it, right? It took time to get us here, but we are here. Okay, the cells are in midst of growth, in midst of, you know, um, strengthening. Okay, but cells are always in the midst of strengthening and growing, you know, and I'm looking forward to what we have next year. One thing I'm looking forward to next year is that now some capital has been freed up, some energy has been freed up, and we want to launch Sungai Bulo Kids next year. Okay? Okay? Now, I'm really excited about this, okay? Because, because Pastor Thalia will be leading a team, okay, who will be launching and starting and running Kids Church next year. Now, we are going to start most immediately with, with, the, with, with the youngest preschool age. Okay? We're going to start something for the preschool age. And then we're going to grow what we're going to grow and eventually it's going to touch the 9, 10-year-olds. For now, the 9, 10-year-olds can hear someone, can sit in the service, okay? Um, but we're going to start something for that age group. Now, some of you are serving already. Some of you have already this, uh, 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 are new in serving teams. But I want to make a call. If you have a call in your heart, a desire in your heart to sow into the children, of Sungai Bulo Church. Please come to us and please prayerfully consider being part of our children's ministry team for 2024. If God has put it in your heart that you just love playing with kids, you come to church, you rather sit you know, near the kids, you can play with the kids, or you go to cell, but you prefer to play with the cell host kid than be in the cell program, you know. Whatever it is, okay? Um, please prayerfully consider it because we will be running Kids Church regularly next year. And we're going to need some hands on the decks and a lot of love for the kids and lots of big brothers and big sisters to commend the works of God to their generation. Amen? So I'm going to say a short prayer right now and I'm going to be very targeted. If God has put this in your heart, I'm praying alongside you in the next five seconds. Okay? Okay? That's how it's going to work. Heavenly Father, if you've put this in my heart, if this is real, if I sense what's going on here, I'm willingly praying and saying, God, help me get the conversation started. And if this is what you want from me for 2024, 
then increase my faith right now so that I can say, maybe I could do this. Maybe I just could be part of a team that sows into the next generation of Christians in your house. So Lord, take my heart, do something to it, to change it, to give it, to add to it. And I entrust this into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And if you pray that prayer, it doesn't mean that you're immediately going to be sucked like a vacuum cleaner into a team, you know, and then it never ends, you know. No. If you pray that prayer, come and see Pastor Thalia after the service. Okay? How many of you, you all know Pastor Thalia, right? She's sitting in front with my wife, right? Okay? Come and see Pastor Thalia after the service and all you need to do is tell her that, hey, I'm considering this. Right? What's it going to look like? And then she will gather the team and tell everyone, not yet team lah, gather those who are interested and update you on what the commitment could look like. And then you can share and you can, and then the whole thing works that way. Okay? All right? Amen? Y'all love kids in the house? Nobody there. No, I'm not recruiting. Y'all love kids in the house? Yes, I love kids in the house. Y'all love kids in the house? Amen. Okay? I also love youth in the house. Kids who are growing older, they are starting to have a, 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 a very analytical mind. They're starting to become their own. They are starting... We, have, we, were all, we were all teenagers once, okay? We were all teenagers once. And I, I can't tell you, I love the idea of being a teenager because you are individuating. You are finding who you are. And in some senses, people say rebellious. Let's not use the word rebellious. Okay, okay, let's, let, let, let's take that word out from our language when we talk about youth and teens. I'm going to say this, even, I don't know if any of you are interested in youth ministry, but I'm going to say, teenagers are not rebellious. Teenagers are individuating. It's a new word for you, learn it. Individuating means that I am learning to separate from my idea of what my parents were, my parents are, the things they like, they're everything. Okay, I'm separating from that to becoming my own person. They are individuating. And the process of individuating feels like rebellion to the parents. But it's not. They are finding who they are. And often the pathway of individuating means that they will make decisions that are opposite to the ones their parents suggest. But it's not rebellion. It is them finding their own footing, finding their own voice, and being their own person. And I can tell you, you look around most of your friends, most of yourselves, you went through a season like that too. But eventually, as you grew into your 20s and 30s, you realize that you end up reenacting your parents a lot. Right? And so you can actually take the pressure off. They are in a season of individuating. They will eventually go through a season of reenacting their parents in a new guy in a new way in a new way they will do it in their own way but they will do it right that's my own journey as well so if you have a heart for youth and i mean 12 plus pushing 13 all the way till 19 okay let's just say 19 okay i want to pray with you right now heavenly father we turn to you and we want to say lord we believe that young people 
the youth, the teenagers, those years are difficult years uh, uh, um, because maybe sometimes the world doesn't understand. But Lord, we want to commit to loving youth well, whether they are in church or whether they are outside. And Lord Jesus, if you have placed this in my heart, do something with it and bring it to come to fall so that I can open my mouth in a safe space and say, hey, this thing, I'm quite interested. Tell me more about it. Lord Jesus, give me those words if you have put this in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're interested in any way to serve with teenagers next year, come to me after the service, okay? Kids, go to Athalia. Youth, come to me, okay? Are we good? If we want strong generations, we got to stay together. we got to learn to tell our stories. And then we have to be have faith in the essentials. And I won't take too long with this. I will, however, share that church can sometimes, uh, I, my experience, we can sometimes go through a next-gen anxiety. A next-gen anxiety is something I personally went through where we get very scared that young people are not coming to church. Okay? Like, wow, where are the young people coming to church? Where are the millennials in church? Where are the Gen Z in church? Where are these people in church? And then we start to like get really anxious. Now, I went through that, okay, in 2016. Um, I got swept into the anxiety of not seeing enough fresh grads in church, right? And that's me, okay, a long time ago, okay? And we started this young adult service in the main church, young adults, called The Verge. And those are fun days, and some of you here, I ministered and served alongside you in those days, and, we, and it, those are fun days. But I also know, as much as they were fun days, as much as they were shaping days, I was very anxious. And maybe I caught you know, anxiety, you know, in things you read, people will send me, you know, all these articles like, this is why millennials aren't in church. And like, I got like 50,000, you know, uh, 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 people sending me those things. And I also became anxious. And guess what? We tried to do this kind of like Sunday afternoon thing that was very hip. And like, we turned off all the lights and we jump, jump, jump. And we did all those things. And, and that is not to say that there's no place for that. It just wasn't me. Okay, I was doing something that was really out of my shape. Okay, I didn't even know what my shape was. I was just finding my voice. But I was anxious because I was told from a lot of things that I was reading and hearing, you know, that the church is one generation away from extinction. And that's not true. And we have to call out these lies in our, in our hearing. The church is not one generation away from extinction. The church does not extinct. Because Jesus says, on the confession of your faith, I will build my church and no hell can defeat it. Amen? No gate of hell can prevail against my church. And so, I've learned in my own life that a lot of my anxiety about whether there are younger people coming to church was based on an untruth that I had internalized. Now, on some level, I get it, okay? One if there's no, let's say, 12 to 25s in your church and everyone just keeps growing older, you know, yes, there will be a so-called ball spot, right? And yes, there will, you are, in some sense, that church will be one generation away from a shutdown. Yes, I get it, but the church doesn't. And maybe your church might, but the church doesn't. But how does your church prevent 
this, where you have a big generational kind of like missing gen, how do you prevent it? Not by... No. Because Jesus says, you go make disciples and I will build my church. You hear that? Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. Teach them to obey, to baptize them, right? And then know that I'm with you until the end of the age. That's what God wants from us. So in a sense, in a sense, now I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 I'm going after a little bit of a golden calf here, okay? The Bible doesn't call us to go to the next generation. There is no Bible verse where Jesus says, go to the next generation. The closest you can say is, He says, let the little children come to me. Okay, like that's, that's like maybe the closest. Bible does not tell us to go to the next generation as if we have to like, there's the next generation. We've got to learn their ways, we've got to learn their forms, we've got to learn their lingo, we've got to create memes for them and then like we've got to go to them, Right? No, Bible tells us to love well. Love God well, love your neighbour well, love yourself well. It tells us to show mercy, do justice, and, 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 and be kind and be compassionate. It tells us to... And I've been going on about this. And you can see how you can take some of these essentials and apply them, whether you're talking about war or whether you're talking about generation. Love justice, do mercy, be kind. Love God, love neighbour, love yourself. These are the things that hold up the entire prophets and, 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 and Torah. Amen? Church, are, are you all with me? We are finishing. The Bible doesn't so-called call us to have some strategy. The Bible's strategy is love well. And love well means that the older generation, however old a generation it may be, needs to know that you are noticed, you are loved, you are seen, you are heard, you are important and your hand on the plough is important and necessary for the plough to keep moving forward. And if you identify as a younger generation, then you are seen, you are heard. Your voices and your stories are important to be heard and seen and noticed. And your hand is important to be on the plough because if your hand is not next door to the hand of someone from an older generation then the plough is not moving forward properly and this is the heart for next generation in any church any church certainly in this one so I want us all right now to just take a moment to breathe in breathe out relax it's okay we are good and God is in the house and God is the God of generations. And God is the God of bringing difficult generational issues into, onto the table and saying, I'm going to work through all of this so that maybe it is not wrong or it is not something wrong has happened that when we look to the Bible for stories about generations that we find more difficult ones than good ones. It is because doing generations is not easy work. But God has not given us an exemption from it. He is not wanting us to be an old person's church or a young person's church or a somewhere in the middle church. He's called us to be a church, a family of people side by side. Amen. 
So all close our eyes. I want to pray. Can I have the worship team on stage? Father, I thank you, Lord God, that your favour will rest upon us. Your favour will come and be with us. Going before us, following from behind us, and right there beside us, in all around us and within us. May your favour also go with every single one of us. As we seek to know what you are doing in our midst, in our generations, may you be in our families, in our young, our old, our whatever age. And may you be, help us to have eyes to see each other, not just as someone else in church, but as a precious person who's been brought into my path so I can walk side by side with my family. Heavenly Father, you look upon this family of God, a body brought together not because we all share the same hobbies, not because we all are styled in the same way, not because we all have the same lingo. Quite the opposite. You brought us together in spite of our diverse interests, in spite of our age gap, in spite of our different ways of doing and thinking and being. You brought us together there has to be a reason why you brought us together like this. Today, we want to lean into what you are doing through our diverse generations. And we want to say, Lord, may you bless the generations above and before me and after me. Lord Jesus, we turn to you and we want to speak a blessing to each other. So as I lead you into this blessing, which we say every week, I want you to say out loud as a blessing over the generations around you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Say, the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance towards you and show you mercy and show you grace and show you my love and the Lord give you peace and all God's people say Amen 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 church